You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 813 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday morning, and today's episode will be mostly a conversation that I had with Zach Hood for part two of our point guard primer. If you missed anything over the last several weeks and even months, Zach and I have been unveiling basically a position-by-position preview of the upcoming 2020 NBA draft, and we're nearing the end of it. Two more parts to go. Um, after you know, including this one, and then another part three for the for point guards. But we'll touch on some first round caliber point guards today on the show. Before we get to that, though, two pieces of quick news to touch on. Uh, first of which is that Andrew Marshan of the New York Post reported on Monday that Vince Carter is going to be a full time analyst for ESPN in the near future. Not many details beyond that. No, no big surprise though. Vince has appeared on ESPN before. Essentially, uh, at least what I was assuming anyway was that Vince will be deciding between Turner and ESPN at some point because he was a definitely a high-profile broadcasting free agent, a really talented broadcaster already, so so insightful, and obviously a big name as well. But ESPN apparently is going to win that bidding war of sorts for Vince's services, so that's the next step for him. There was some reporting previously that he was considering, or at least the Hawks were interested in, potentially uh, keeping him around in a basketball role. Not sure how that factors in here, but um, considering the full-time distinction that Marshan reported on Vince, I'm assuming he'll be a broadcaster for now, but there you go. On that, and then the other piece of news is that Trey Young finished ninth in most improved player voting on Monday. That was announced by the league. He got two second place votes and four third place votes. Um, not a huge surprise that he didn't finish in the top three. Uh, you know, ninth was probably a little bit lower than I thought. I thought Trey was sort of a sneaky underrated most most improved player candidate. Just didn't hear a whole lot of buzz about him, which which was backed up by the voting itself. But he probably should have been a little bit higher for me. I'm okay with him not winning it or being in the top three. But I wanted to go ahead and update that that was uh, happening. And he did get some votes, though, so there was some recognition finishing the top 10, but uh, not quite enough to crack the top three on that particular list. Okay, without further delay, a conversation is on the way with Zach Could. One reminder, though, before we get to Zach, please subscribe to the podcast. Please check out the show on whichever podcast platform of your choice. Also, uh, tell a friend about the podcast, leave five-star feedback, etc. And uh, here we go with Zach Could. Zach, thanks for joining me as always. Let's talk about some point guards. It's part two. We uh, did point guards long ago, it feels like, uh, our first segment of three on point guards, but we're back for part two. How are we feeling? Uh, and also congratulations on the, on the new podcast that I've been on a couple times. It's been uh, fun to listen to, fun to be on, and uh, welcome back. Uh, appreciate it. And yeah, man, always appreciate you coming on uh, Hawks Film Room. Feeling good, you know, uh, about the draft don't know when it is other than that i feel pretty good about it um just like kind of doing a podcast here on sunday night watching some bmw championship so there you go we're cooking uh and like i like we like i said before this is uh, recorded like you just said on sunday night but uh I don't, i'm not sure when people are listening to this yet but alas that's the power of podcasting but on the agenda today is uh, our part two of point guards we're going to touch on a handful of players candidly most of these guys not in the Hawks range for where they actually are picking right now, but that does not mean they couldn't make a trade. You know, last year they famously added a pick um, in the middle, and then they traded it, of course. But uh, it was, you know, the Hawks are capable of doing a lot of things. So I'm trying not to just rule guys out based on where the Hawks are right now because they could certainly move back or move up or trade for a pick, et cetera. So keep all of our options open, and that's the backdrop to talk about 
this selection of point guards, which is really, it's like the early second round through maybe the mid first round on this, and at least in terms of, of the consensus on these guys. We'll touch on them all now. That's, that's basically the gist of it. We're not going to talk about Lamella Ball and Killian Hayes until they, uh, until part three. But uh, there you go on that. And let's start with Nico Mannion, a former projected lottery pick. I'm going to start with him now from Arizona. 6'3", 190. He did not have a great year at Arizona. Um, I still kind of like Nico, but uh, his stock has certainly dropped considerably, um, aside from the rumor that I saw that the Warriors wanted to trade back for him, which made me laugh because they would have had to go back quite a, quite a ways for number two overall. But uh, what are your thoughts on Nico Mannion at this point? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit offline to where with the hate or, you know, whatever. People have fell a little bit too far on Nico, I think. And uh, I know some draft Twitter people who are still, you know, have him either near the lottery or in the lottery. So I think just having him purely as a second rounder, I think, is a little bit too much. I mean, just because he's not, you know, maybe the French top 10 pick that he was coming into the season doesn't mean we need to diminish all the things he can do kind of as a ball handler, playmaker. And I think even, you know, he he could be a decent shooter as well. So I, I think there's offensively, you know, a few things to like there with Nico. And, you know, he might not ever be a great defender, but I, uh, I don't think, you know, he's a 35th best player in the draft or anything like that. I still have him, you know, top 25, maybe top 20. Yeah, that's about where I have him too. I think the lottery stuff is over, um, justifiably for Nico. I don't, I don't think he's in a lottery pick. But just to go over what he kind of is at this point in time, um, the shooting is interesting in that he was billed early on in his prospect days as this great shooter. It has not really translated. It's been a disappointment so far. I still kind of believe in it, but 33 percent from three in college, not not terribly inspiring. He's a really good passer though. Has good feel overall. I think defensively. He looks like a guy who could be pretty bad. He looks like, you know, he's skinny. Uh, he's this little, this little white guy. But I think he's actually okay on defense. Uh, he's limited athletically, for sure. He's not, he's not that strong. But he gets by on intelligence. He's in the right place at the right time, that kind of stuff. But the problem that I have, my biggest issue with Nico, is I actually do buy his shooting, is that he does not really get to the rim on offense. Like, he's pretty creative in Florida range, but not someone who could really get to the rim and without the athleticism that um, he doesn't have and that isn't going to be coming for him, he's either got to really, really, really be awesome in that floater range or he's got to get a lot better as a three-point shooter or probably both, honestly, to get where he needs to be. But even then, like his supporting stuff, um, even if you don't like his upside, I think he does profile as someone who could be a solid backup point guard type for a long time. And there is some value in that, maybe not in the top 15, but if you get into that late first round or early second round range, then it becomes more interesting. Yeah, no, I, if the Hawks, like, somehow were to be picking 35th or something through a trade down or what have you, I mean, he probably wouldn't be my target just because he's another guard that is bound to struggle due to size concerns uh, defensively. But the, from a value perspective, someone getting Nico after 25 to me, like I said, said he's a top 25 player for me. Uh, with the Hawks, you know, if – Someone more like Devin Dodson, who's someone you know we'll talk about in a second, uh, probably would be a better fit. But just purely in like an evaluation standpoint, Nico is good value if you're in that early second round for sure. Yeah, maybe late first, and we'll see where he ends up. But uh, I still kind of like Nico Mannion. It's just not uh, all of the the traits that would have had to have really popped for him to be actually a lottery pick. 
i.e. his shooting, didn't happen this year. But if he finds that again, it becomes really interesting. He's also like kind of a good screener, oddly enough, for someone who's as small as he is. Anyway, um, you mentioned Devon Dotson. Let's go to him now from Kansas, 6'2", 21 years old, a two-year guy at Kansas. He was an All-American this year, an awesome college basketball player. Um, didn't shoot it great as a sophomore, 31% from three. That's not great. I think he's probably better than that, but not a strength of his. That's probably one of his bigger question marks. Um, but he plays really hard. He's really quick, fast. He's a, he's a better passer than he was in year one. And then defensively, he's just kind of tenacious. Love his motor. He play, again, he plays really hard, really smart. On the ball stuff, pretty interesting. I think he's probably a third guard in the NBA. But he's someone I feel like doesn't get talked about enough, probably, um, just because of you kind of know what he is. He was a two-year guy. He wasn't supposed to be this incredible draft prospect. But with, with the way he played at Kansas, um, you know, he'll probably get Devontae Grand comps because they played they played in the same school. They're very, very diff- different players. He's much more of a uh, role player projection, interesting defender. I'm I'm probably disposed to liking him more than most people would because of his defense. But what do you feel about Dotson? I mean, you mentioned him a second ago. Yeah, I think um, this is going to sound kind of weird, but he reminds me of like Colin Sexton. If Colin Sexton played good defense in the NBA. Um, I just don't think he's going to be that like creative in terms of getting other people involved. But I think, you know, he's going to be physical. He will probably will in his fair share of um, shots at the rim, although it's not, you know, the best part of his game. But he can handle the ball, obviously, and just compete defensively. I think his energy is something that, you know, the Hawks have had those energy players last season, like Trevion Graham or... DeAndre Bemery, but uh, those players usually would leave a little bit to be desired offensively. So I think Dotson is the kind of guy who can um, honestly be kind of like Brandon Goodwin, like bring in a lot of energy on defense and also, you know, has some like shot making, shot creation ability. Yeah, I don't know. It's He's definitely interesting. Like we're, the guy we're going to talk to talk about next is Trey Jones, and they're kind of similar in that their defense first probably, but Dotson was actually really good offensively at Kansas. Again, Kansas, not a uh, a pro factory in the way that like Duke and Kentucky are in terms of like getting the top, top, top guys, but they have a history of producing NBA caliber guards, and Dotson is the next in that line. I don't know. I think he's someone that should be interesting in the late first round. Again, not in the Hawks range. I can't imagine him falling to 50, but if they get back in, he'd be a pretty interesting backup point guard investment i think long term he's not i know he's a two-year guy but not not like he's over the over the hill he's again pretty decent athlete if you buy the shot he's a first round pick if he's if you if you're skeptical on that and i would understand that he's a little bit lower maybe but someone i'm probably i probably have in the you know late 20s early 30s for me and uh an interesting guy yeah no i like dotson and the sexton comparison might sound kind of crazy but i don't i don't know it just something about just watching him it just reminds me of sexton a little bit yeah, I can kind of see it. I mean, Sexton was billed to be a good defender when he actually wasn't. He just slapped the floor and like played hard, and I get that. Um, so if you throw that out, which I, th- I, know, I know you acknowledged, that doesn't. Uh, I can kind of see it. They're similar, uh, kind of similar size to. I don't know. I like Dotson. He's interesting, and uh, if the Hawks were to stumble into a pick in that range, he would be someone that would certainly fill a need that the Hawks do kind of have behind Trey Young. Um, Okay, before we get to the rest of the guys in this particular allotment of point guards, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast. 
One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like paying the mortgage, putting food on the table. With that said, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Instead, you have access to rockauto.com. At home or in your pocket, it's a much better option for you. Whether it's for your daily commuting car or a joyride on the weekends, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Chain stores sometimes have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are always the same for everyone, and they are always the lowest prices possible. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. RockAuto.com is for everybody. It does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always low and always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right zach let's move on i teased this a second ago but it's trey jones of duke is our next guy um trey jones is one of the more famous guys because he was playing for duke and he was on a couple of good couple, couple of good teams uh 20 he'll be 21 in january 6-3 guard his headliner is his defense to be sure he is one of the best on ball defensive players in the class especially given his size um, not a great shooter, but he definitely has improved a lot in that way and a capable offensive steward. Um, he'll obviously be compared to his older brother, Tyus, who's an NBA player. Um, but again, another guy that maybe like Dotson is more of like a third guard type because he's not necessarily the offensive engine at point guard. But maybe if you put either one of those guys next to like a prominent, you know, prime time number one option at wing, it might work. Um, and that whole that whole archetype is interesting because it's probably not like a lottery pick, um, but these guys are capable of being first rounders, and you see them often mocked in like the top twenty. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think the comparison to Tyus is not that bad. I think I think Trey is better than Tyus, but I mean, just they're pretty similar. I mean, yeah, Ty, Tyus was more of a uh, in terms of their college evaluation coming out. Tyus was more of an offensive. Maybe not hub, but he was a little bit better on offense, and Trey was a better defender. If you want to compare them, what they were able to do in college, but ultimately, role wise, I think they'll probably be pretty similar. Um, Tyus Jones is not anybody's idea of like this awesome starting point guard, but if he's your third guard or your backup point guard, you're pretty happy with that. Like he's an above average backup, and that's kind of what Trey projects to be, even if it's kind of a little bit different. Because I think Trey's defense is more of the reason for that. But his offensive strides were real. Like he kind of quietly got a lot better offensively in the last year. Um, his freshman year, it was pretty mixed, we'll say. It's mixed to bad on offense. And he got by with his defense, and he didn't have to do that much on a team with you know Zion and Cam and RJ and all that, and all those guys. This year, he had to do a little bit more and was much better at it. And uh, I, I like him more now than I did then. Even if he kind of had that... Uh, the shine fell off because that's what happens with most guys who are projected first round picks that go back to college. They don't have the same buzz. And that's the case here with Trey Jones, but I think he's just better than he was a year ago, which is what you want. Yeah, no, he came a long way. Uh, just even with his willingness to shoot a three. Um, and then, you know, he started obviously making a few of them. So I think as far as in terms of the Hawks, uh, he's probably my favorite guy that we're going to talk about today. I mean, obviously, I would love for the Hawks to get Lamelo or Killian, um, which we will talk about on the other one, on the other episode. But uh, Jones, to me, out of this um, kind of Kyra Lewis, Grant Riller, Tyrell Terry, 
him and Dotson are like the only guys out of this group that are defense first, I guess you could say. Um, Nico obviously being included would be another offensive minded guy. So, I mean, Jones to me, if the Hawks did somehow, you know, trade from six to eight and had, you know, the 27 or the 33, you know, whatever they end up would end up getting in that return. I think Jones would be on the list because having a controllable, you know, having a guy like Jones for four years on a really affordable deal. I mean, that's, that's going to be valuable because if you go out into free agency and try to sign that player that, you know, you're thinking Jones is going to be, I mean, that's, you know, eight to $10 million probably a year for a veteran that can do those things. So. Yeah, I buy it. I mean, it's, he's interesting in a lot of ways and for what the Hawks actually need, he is, he's a better fit than the guys we're going to talk about in a second, probably. And we'll circle back at the end to kind of put them in order in terms of Hawks versus uh, overall big board, but um, I think Jones and Dotson are both interesting fits if Atlanta were to be available to actually get them. Um, I want to touch on a couple more guys on this podcast, and uh, the next two are offense-focused players, uh, maybe have more upside than the other two guys we just talked about, but are, I would say, worse fits for Atlanta on paper. Uh, one is Tyrell Terry from Stanford. He was listed at 6'2", 150, which is like crazy, wild, skinny. Um, his his appeal is his shooting. He has super deep range. His stroke looks awesome. He, he gets it off quickly. He profiles as a big-time shooter. Um, he's a decent ball handler as well, but does not blow by guys at all. A pretty limited athlete. Obviously not very strong given his frame. Defensively, right now it'll be, it'll be bad because he is so skinny. But actually, he's he might be okay long term if, if it gets a little bit bigger. I, I don't like. I wouldn't cross it off. But he's certainly someone who is more of an offense. Offense first prospect. That's the, that's the kind of way to put it with Tyrell Terry. He's often discussed for like Philadelphia as a great fit in the 20s, a team that just desperately needs that kind of shooter on the perimeter. The Hawks need shooting for sure, but he's not a guy that you would want to put next to Troy Young, I don't think, ideally. Um, on the, they're two very small uh, guards. You know, offensively, it might be fun, but um, fit wise in Atlanta, but maybe not great. But Terry's still like a first round talent. Yeah, no, I mean, the shot is serious i mean it's legitimate philly i mean someone like that should be you know doing whatever they can to get uh shooting talent like terry in the 20s for sure but as far as the hawks i don't really see it as super beneficial you already have you know one of the best shot makers in the nba um at you know especially at his size it's an even you know more complicated fit of um you know, ideally you would be better when you take Trey Young off the floor defensively if you're bringing out a guy who weighs, you know, 165, 170, being optimistic <laughs> by the time the season starts uh, on your second unit. It's just not really uh, ideal, I guess. No, he he's but, definitely best suited to play next to – this is my opinion, I guess, but I think he's definitely best suited to play next, next to a ball-dominant – wing or like a bigger shooting guard that needs the ball like Tyrell Terry is not the guy who runs your offense like all the time in my opinion if you want to have a good offense his shooting is awesome but he'd be someone who'd be much more interesting next to like Victor Oladipo or something where you have the heat off of you and defensively there's somebody that can cover up for you but you can space the floor handle the ball a little bit but like he can't get to the rim he's kind of like Nico in that way where like you you not you, you will not see a lot of Tyrell Terry attacking the rim because he doesn't really have that in his bag right now. I'm sure he can develop it. But ideally, he is someone who I think pairs well with a bigger, more physical ball handler, like as the second guy on an offense, 
not the lead guy. Yeah, I mean, I think there's maybe a little bit of potential if he added some strength where he could be like a six man and yeah, kind of run a unit that way. But definitely in terms of, you know, with the starting unit, I agree. He would, I mean, even next to a Luka Doncic or the Simmons and Embiid would be great um, if you're talking in terms of, you know, his ceiling actually being a, a starting kind of guard. But I think, you know, Terry is just one of those guys that the Hawks kind of can't really consider. I mean, obviously, if, if they ended up keeping the 50th pick and he was there at something insane, <laughs> like he was there at 50, like... Oh, yeah. At, I mean, you, at you, that just, point, you, just, you, you just take him at that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at that point, you just do it. But, I mean, it's kind of like Obi Toppin. I mean, as long as the Hawks were picking in the top eight, it was going to be kind of weird to, like put Obi Toppin with them, even if he was easily the best player on the board. So it's just one of those things, like another guy, you know, guys we're about to talk about in the same same light would be Grant Riller and Kyra Lewis. Those are great prospects, great offensive prospects, but just due to kind of their size and um, skill set, it might not be the best fit, even if, you know, the value is good in the 20s or 30s, if the Hawks did end up with a pick in that Yeah, range. I mean, it's all... Every single guy that on this particular podcast, if they were available at 50, you just take them anyway. Even with every fit concern that we've just put out there, you start guys start falling too far and you just got to take them. Um, same thing if the Hawks were to trade back and someone like, you know, for instance, if, if someone's picking 16th in the draft and Obi Toppin falls to them, you just it doesn't matter. You just take the guy. Um, the fit may not be great or whatever. There's always a breaking point where even the worst fit on a team uh, you just got to take the guy because he's the best player available by far. Um, that would apply to all these guys at 50. But yeah, there's certainly um, better fits than others, and we I think Terry is not one of the better ones. Um, you mentioned Riller. Let's go to him now. Grant Riller's a guy that I know you've, you've paid close attention to. Uh, 6'3 out of Charleston. He will be 24 years old in February. That's one of the knocks on Riller is that he's ancient compared to, compared to these other guys. I think he's actually older than Obi Toppin, which is uh, an accomplishment unto itself. But an incredible, uh, efficient guy in college offensively like a, a lights out finisher creative scorer like a really a genuinely awesome offensive player at the college level um passing not necessarily great but other than that as a scorer he does kind of everything you want um but defensively even in college in a bad league was kind of a mess which does not um pretend well for the future but still like a guy who draft twitter folks that want to swing for the fences have, maybe having the lottery i'm not as high as that but offensively, there's a ton to like if you don't worry about the age. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not worried about the age in a sense of like, I don't think he really needs to get that much better to be decent on offense. I mean, the spacing alone of the NBA, I think, you know, Riller's a guy, I mean, he's 6'3", and he, or 6'4", and he's not that athletic, but he shot like 60% from two and like 59% at the rim. Or something insane. Yeah, like his his, his, feel, his numbers were truly ridiculous this year. Yeah, his feel is just insane. So I think this the three point line being out wider, there being a little bit more space and uh, just more perimeter oriented game. I think you know he might not shoot sixty percent at the rim in the NBA, but I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be able to finish, and uh, he obviously could shoot. But I think offensively, you know, it doesn't concern me that he's twenty four and. Uh, you know, coming in as a prospect because I think, you know, he's already such a good scorer offense, or on offense. But uh, defensively, it is a little bit concerning because he's probably not going to get any quicker. Uh, maybe he can, you know, 
get into an NBA strength program and improve his first step, uh, get a little bit more bounce. But that is really a concern. He's he's probably not going to get better on defense in terms of speed or uh, lateral movement. So there's definitely um, just a lot of reservations as far as when people move him up near that lottery. But if you're picking 20th and you're uh, someone like Philly, you need a guard, I mean, I would do it. Yeah, I I've, I like him in like Los Angeles. Like there there's some spots where teams that just need creation and reliable offense from point guard that maybe don't meet like he's not again he's not a great passer but if you just need a scoring guard that's going to be efficient and should be pretty playable right away he is uh, someone that fits that bill. I think ultimately he may not be suited for a starting point guard role. I think he's the kind of guy who could just be a sixth man. And that's not the worst thing in the world. We've seen plenty of guys make an impact on that. Like Lou Williams is a comp that I would make for Grant Ruler as this like Ruler's stronger and they're, they're not, it's not perfect, but someone who Lou like rolls out of bed and is a efficient scorer in the NBA, and he has been for a decade plus. That might be what Ruler is a, a guy who is kind of positionless. He's like kind of a guard, not really a point guard. He's not a great passer, but someone who just gets buckets and does it so efficiently that it's not just garbage. Like there, there's some, there are some combo guard guys who are just like garbage scores who have to have volume to get, to get points. Riller projects to be efficient and those kind of guys, you have to use them properly. But Lou is like the ultimate example of this, of the guy who has made an incredible career out of doing that, despite having real weaknesses, like Lou's a bad defender and like Lou doesn't like really pass that well. But if you, if you can get out of, if you can roll out of bed and have, and score 20 efficiently, that matters, and uh, that could be what Riller's path is. I'm not sure that's what his path is, but that's the kind of guy that I think he might end up being. I mean, I mean no one's no one can be projected to be Lou Williams because he's kind of an outlier, but that kind of mold. Yeah, I think obviously you know they're not the same as a player. I think Lou is no. a little more athletic coming into the league, and obviously Lou came into the league straight out of high school, so a uh, little bit you know differences just in their path but as far as their impact and how they get their offense I think it could be similar both really know how to use a screen to create their own offense and you know like you were saying that both are are looking to use the screen to create their own offense they're not really worried about the roller after you know after they get the screen so uh, you know they can find the roller they're not you know incompetent passers but you know like you said they're going for the to try to get a bucket. So I think, you know, the Hawks could use him, but at the same time, you know, there's probably going to be someone else in the, in the range. If they were to be picking in the late twenties through a trade back, uh, there would probably be someone in another position group that would fit, you know, what they're looking for a little better. Yeah. The fit fit wise, it's not great, but if, if it works the way it could, every team could use Grant Riller and the Hawks do need that kind of potent backcourt option. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at this whole list of guys, and he's the last one that's kind of this mini tier that we're in. Um, it's possible to me that one of these guys gets like outside of the top 40, and at that point, like it becomes the value becomes great. Like you know, sometime every year I, I say this on every podcast, if you like, but every year somebody falls too far, and it could be one of these guys because there's just a lot of point guards, especially when you factor in the guys from the previous podcast on our on our last primer. You know, Cassius Winston, Peyton Pritchard, Malachi Flynn. You know, there's a lot of guys. There's seven, eight point guards that are between like 20 and 40 on my board. And usually you're not going to see 
eight point guards drafted between 20 and 40. It's just a lot of guys. There's a lot of volume. So maybe somebody falls. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it seems like someone would have to. I mean, I think you could see a run on point guards uh, from late 20s to early 40s. But, I mean, it's not guaranteed to happen for sure. There's a lot of other prospects on the board at a lot of other positions. But just given the talent and um, how much ball handling does matter in the NBA, it wouldn't shock me if that many guards kind of went before 40. But uh, if that happens, then, you know, some other guys are sliding. So we're... If the Hawks stick at 50, like you're saying, like if me and you were running the Hawks and picking at 50, I think there would be somebody there that, you know, we would have at 35 or 38. I mean, it's inevitable that someone is going to slip. So I, I really always have hoped, you know, for the Hawks to stay with their pick or, you know, if you can find a way to get second round picks without you know, giving up anything really for the future that you're too worried about holding on to. Uh, I think this is not the worst draft to do it because I know um, people are down on this draft at the top. But I think, you know, once you do get from like 25 to 45, uh, I think there actually is, you know, a decent amount of talent. Yep, I uh, I totally agree. Uh, I'm making the executive decision to hold Kyra Lewis until part three um, right here on the podcast. That's great producing on air, but that's what we're going to do. Um, so to take Kyra off the board, I'm going to ask you now to sort of recap and uh, give me uh, your top two for the Hawks, if for some reason, in terms of just fit or where you would want them for the Hawks, and then also give me the order in which you have these guys uh, in a vacuum, you know, big board setting. Oh, it's tough to make a top two just for the Hawks because I have Riller so much uh, higher. Well, it's still anyone. Riller. Then, then it's still Riller. I mean, at some point, yeah. like the tears get yeah. if the, the tears get weird enough right. where fit doesn't matter as much. You know what I mean? I guess, I guess I'll I'll just I'll just say this. Um, Riller is the guy I would most want out of the group of Riller, Terry Jones, Dotson, and Mannion. If I were the Hawks. Riller would still be, you know, the number one guy. But after that, I would go Jones and then Dotson. Just I would actually, you know, defer to the fit with Jones and Dotson in comparison to guys like Mannion and Terry. But I think what, you know, what we said about Riller and how, you know, he has a decent chance to just be a really efficient scorer, I think, you know, that to me is just, I mean, even if, He's not the best fit. Even if you see, okay, you know, where our defense is really bad, you could trade someone like that. I mean, some someone is going to want that, I think. And I think it's pretty somewhat bankable. I mean, it's bankable as, you know, a prospect can be. So, yeah, I think, put, I think put, pretty – go ahead. I was say, to put all the guys in order, it would be Riller 1. Um, if it's just purely in a vacuum, I would actually have Nico too, but that just shows you how close I have all these guys because right. I had Nico like four for the Hawks or something. But so just purely in a vacuum, not for the Hawks, I would go Riller, Nico, Jones, Dotson, Terry. Yeah, um, my people Hawks. Are, people I, I would that like Terry are going to hate that. But. No, yeah, I mean Terry's interesting. It's like it better his shooting better work because there's nothing else. That's kind of what I feel about Terry. Like it might work. I mean. Ultimate upside-wise, I think Riller and Terry have the highest upside in this group. Like, if Terry shoots the way he possibly could shoot and becomes, like, good enough on the ball, like, obviously, 
you know, his movement shooting and the, his creation is high level. Um, I'm skeptical that it will just because it's hard for anybody to do that. Um, same with Riller. Like, you know, I'm probably a little bit lower. I'm definitely lower on Riller than you are, but I will still acknowledge that if Riller got put in a position where he was like, just asked to like cook and it really worked, his upside is probably the highest on this list. And that's, that's, it's, it's kind of funny to say that out loud for someone who's gonna be 24 pretty soon, but his game is just the value of that player. If they really, really pop is higher than the rest of these guys. With that said, for the Hawks, I would I, I would have Jones one, Dotson two, um, just because I don't think that it's not it's not likely that someone like Riller or Terry actually would reach their ceiling in Atlanta. They're just not going to be given the opportunity to do that, and that's not that's not a shot at the Hawks. They shouldn't give them the opportunity that they have Trey Young, who's much better than these guys, and Trey Young is the the sun, the sun, moon, the star. So if you're just looking for a team building standpoint, I would say Jones Jones one, then Dotson two, um, followed by Mannion three actually, and then I would uh, then probably Riller than Terry for Atlanta. Um, but in a vacuum, I'm lower on Riller than you are. I still might have him one for the upside, but I would say Jones, then Riller, then Mannion, Dotson, Terry. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not married to that. These guys are all pretty close. Um, it's kind of my overarching opinion of all these players. Uh, but Atlanta specific situation would lead me to definitely preferring Jones and Dotson. Just to, it's not just role based, but we've we discussed this on the podcast before. But w- the only guy on the Hawks roster that like dictates fit is Trey Young, and at this position, <laughs> you know you're dra- you're basically drafting someone that you're hoping if it's a, if it's a point guard, you're hoping they're hoping they can, that they can play with Trey, but importantly, they got to be able to back him up and give you a little bit of juice and all that stuff. I don't know. I would just lean toward the safer guys who can defend and they're boring. And that's kind of my brand. So. Yeah. I, I would just end up defaulting to Riller because I just believe in what he's going to do. If I was and, as high uh, on Riller as you are, I, w- I, I would totally agree. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I had yeah. him as high as you do, then I would, I'm, I, I definitely understand that sentiment because even with the fit, if you have him 15 spots higher than everybody else, then he's still number one for you. He has to be. Right, and like like I said, I think he's the kind of guy where I know the Hawks are, you know, trying to win next season. But you bring say you, you say you brought him in and, and you give him fifteen twenty minutes. If he's coming in and doing what he does and scoring, and you know, if if you were right on the evaluation, like he he could do it, he could run the second unit. But you kind of realize at the same time, you know, this is not the best fit. It's horrible when him and Trey out there defensively. He, you give him the minutes, and you know he's the type of guy where, if if you get him at thirty five and you had him valued at twenty three, you know you might take a year, but you could trade him for something that you do need that does fit. That's I just don't really worry about the fit unless you know the Hawks are trying to make the NBA Finals. I'm not gonna, you know, pass on someone I think is better, especially when second round type thing. I mean, I just. I really like best player available even more <laughs> the later into the draft you get because oh, yeah. the, ups, the upside is really all that you're going for. I mean, I, there's no guarantee that anyone you take is, you know, going to make it into your rotation. So. And, that, and that's why, you know, that's not to start this entire conversation, but that's, that's why guys who project to be backups, even good backups, end up falling a lot. Like, my prime example is always Monty Morris. Like, 
I was extremely confident Monty Morris was going to be a good NBA player, and I was right about that. But Monty Morris was going to be a backup point guard, and everybody knew it. So he fell to fifty, whatever he fell to, because that's just not. It's not. There's not a swing in there. Like at a certain point, you, you have to take him, and he fell. He still fell too far. But to your point, the second round is a lot of time just like swinging. You're just trying to find someone who can really help you long term, uh, and that ends up being upside swings. And these guys are going to go in the first round for the most part. Or at least the top 40. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting as you get down lower. You might think it'd be more fit-based, but it's kind of not. <laughs> the fit the fit areas are really like late first round and early second round. Where you're looking like where the good teams, especially the late, late first round, the good teams are trying to get good players to help them. That's where you start looking at fit more than uh, at the top or the bottom. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think any of these guys, uh, with all that being said, I don't think it's particularly likely the Hawks end up with any of these guys. But uh they're all ta- they're all talented, and if they had a chance to uh, pick one of them up, it wouldn't wouldn't be a bad idea, in my opinion. Yeah, I would certainly bet against any of these guys being on the Hawks next year. But uh, crazier things have happened. All right, Zach, we have one more of these to go in our in- incredibly drawn out uh, prospect primer series, and that's going to be coming very soon. But to wrap this one up, please uh, plug your stuff that you got going on, and of course, we'll we'll do this one more time with the uh, the lottery guys uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you having me on again. Um, you can check out our prospect profiles on Peace Hoops. Uh, Grant Riller should be coming out soon. And then um, Hawks Film Room podcast. Check that out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you're at. And uh, you can find all those links at Hawks Film Room on Twitter. Brad will come on the show every now and then if, uh, if we got enough in the budget. So look forward to that. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, follow Zach. Hawks, Hawks Film Room is, is a good podcast. Check that out. Peace to groups as well, and we'll see everybody next time.